uh, repeat something after me. Let's say the cross is a finished work. Say it again. The cross is a finished work. You know, that's one of the things that the church needs to get a hold to. And uh, that the cross of Jesus Christ is finished. It's a finished work. The sacrifice, the death, burial, and the resurrection that he experienced for us and for our benefit is a finished work. There's nothing else that needs to be done. Jesus has done it all. And uh, we're going to pray tonight that God would give us a revelation of that by way of his Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit to reveal our redemption, the, the benefits of it and the, the fullness of it. And that's what we're going to pray tonight, that the Holy Spirit would give us revelation concerning the redemptive work of the cross. Father God, we pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and lead us during this Bible study. It is only the Holy Spirit, Father, that can reveal Jesus. Therefore, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes tonight. Help us see what we couldn't see without you. Give us revelation concerning the victory of the cross, the fullness of Jesus Christ in us. I pray, Father, that you'll reveal the Son of God in each one of us by your grace. And in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And amen. Tonight's lesson is called the New Covenant. A document of freedom. A document of dominion restored. The New Covenant is your New Testament. It is yours by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is uh, your inheritance. It belongs to Jesus because of his uh, death, burial, and resurrection and his obedient life. But we are benefactors of that life. We are joint heirs with him. Everything that's in that new covenant that belongs to Jesus belongs to you also. The problem with the church is we have not yet realized that. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to reveal to us the victory of the cross and the benefits of it. But the only way that we're going to really receive and walk in that what's already ours is if we have understanding of the new covenant. It is a legal document. It's ratified by the blood of Jesus and it's honored in heaven. God the Father honors it. The Holy Spirit honors it. All the angels in, he in heaven, they honor it. What has to happen, though, is that the church of Jesus Christ must get a revelation of what's theirs. Lay claim of it and worship God because of it. So revelation concerning the new covenant is imperative if we're going to walk, the, live the victorious lives that Jesus Christ died that we can live. We have to have revelation concerning what's ours. And that's what the Holy Spirit's going to do tonight by grace. Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 4 start there. We've been talking about this, uh, this, this series of uh, teachings for the past four weeks in Calvary, probably, I think, maybe even uh, more than that, maybe about six weeks. We've been going over this, this teaching. And again, I want to uh, really focus on what a covenant is. I want to give you a definition. It's a binding agreement between two or more parties. That's what a covenant is. It's a binding agreement between two or more parties. And this covenant that we have 
uh, that we enjoy is, of course, like I said, it belongs to Jesus. But we get in on it because we're joined as with him. Now, that's the foundation. Verse 17, it says, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when, ta- when he had opened the book, that's talking about Jesus, he found the place where it was written. Now, it's very important that the believer, the New Testament believer, find the place where it's written in the epistles concerning you, concerning your union with Jesus Christ. It's very important that we recognize that the epistles is talking about you, the New Testament church, and your covenant rights through him. Amen? Next verse. This is what Jesus said. He came to declare the scope of his ministry and the intent of his ministry. It says here, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now notice the Lord came to deliver people. He came to set people free. He came that we might experience liberty through him, through the knowledge of this new covenant. You can have a lot of things available to you, but if you don't know what belongs to you, you can't experience the benefits of it. God says, my people, my covenant people, are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. That's tragic. That's very tragic. You can be born again, be filled with eternal life, be filled with the powers of the worlds to come, and yet still live like a beggar here on the earth, simply because we don't know what belongs to us. That's why it's imperative that we recognize and understand the Lord's intent when he came to the earth, and that was to set anybody free who would put faith in him and faith in his blood, faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. So this is the intent and purpose and scope of Jesus' ministry, to deliver the captive, to give the recovery of sight to the blind, those who have been blinded by the Adamic nature and by the curse that came into the world. We have been given light by way of the Holy Spirit where deliverance, where the cross is concerned. We have deliverance every single time in Christ Jesus if we'll only grab hold to it and believe it. This is what he came to do. Next verse. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that's, that's what I really want to kind of focus on for a minute. The acceptable year of the Lord is, and I don't really have time to get off into it tonight, but it's called Jubilee. That's what it is. The acceptable year of the Lord is Jubilee. It was a Jewish tradition. Every 50 years, the Jewish people would experience freedom from all debt, freedom from all uh, past bondage, freedom from everything that hindered them in terms of natural debt and things like that. Ancestral, ancestral lands that had been taken away r- would be restored during this period of time. This was a wonderful uh, op- uh, opportunity for anybody to get in on God's best. And as I said, all debt is forgiven, slaves are given their freedom, ancestral lands are given back during this time. Now you can study that out in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25. I don't want to go there. But it's in Leviticus, chapter 25, verses 9 and 10. So this, this is what Jesus came to do, is to preach jubilee to the church or to anybody who would put their faith in him. 
And Jubilee is not meant because of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jubilee is not something that is experienced anymore at once every 50 years. It's experienced by the New Testament believer on a moment-by-moment basis. Has you put faith in the victory of that cross? Has you put faith in the new covenant? You can and I can experience deliverance every single moment of my, of my life here on earth. That's God's best. He wants you and I to rule and reign in this life through, through him, through Jesus Christ. Some people don't believe that that's possible, but it is possible because the word says it's possible. Because Jesus says it's possible. I'm not going to be bound by the, uh, the understanding of natural thinking folk. I'm going to believe this new covenant, this new testament, and I'm going to, I've made a decision, I'm going to walk in what belongs to me through him. If he says that I can have the acceptable year of the Lord on a moment-by-moment basis, I'm going to walk in it. I want to receive it. I want to experience everything that the cross bought for me. As I said before in teaching, and I say this a lot, if you don't want yours, I'll take yours. Matter of fact, I'll take yours and me and Pastor Ken will split it. Amen. Jesus came to set us free. Now, let's look at verse 20. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down. Symbolic of saying, say, saying that it is done. It's done. He sat out. He sat down right now, for those of you who understand uh, spiritual things and the, the covenant blessings of the Holy of Holies, Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of God. And, and that means that everything has been finished. Everything that he's, he's done, he's done. The eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Next verse. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. In other words, it's a done thing. You can experience it right now if you'll believe for it. You can have jubilee. You can experience the acceptable year of the Lord on a moment-by-moment basis. Amen. You don't have to be bound anymore by anything that the curse has brought into the world. Jesus has set us free. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Amen. And the blessing of Abraham through covenant relationship with Jesus Christ is ours. Everything that God did in Abraham's life, God will do in your life if you'll be bold enough to believe it. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 4, verse 28. Now, I want to make, make a statement because it's so very true. Religious spirits don't like Jubilee. The demons that were active back in those days, they didn't like it. And those same demons are still alive and well today. And they don't like it. Check out what happened after Jesus preached the acceptable year of the Lord. And all they that were in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. So the spirits that were motivating the people to be filled with wrath, are still active today. When you start preaching deliverance, there will always be opposition to that. Remember that. 
When you start preaching uh, the, the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the victory of the cross, there will always be opponents of it. But don't, let, don't you let those opponents stop you from receiving what belongs to you. Next verse. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him into the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that, was, that they might cast him down headlong. So, like I said, this is crazy. Jesus is preaching good things to them, and they want to kill him. I mean, that's just how it is in the religious mindset. Religious people cannot stand the power of God. They have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power of God. They'll, they'll have a form of godliness, but they won't accept the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which talks about and, and, and gives us, anybody who believes it, deliverance every single time. That's your, that's your portion. Don't you let anybody tell you that it's okay for, that, that, that God put sickness on you. Don't let anybody tell you that God wants you broke and poor. Don't let anybody tell you that it's okay to, to stay in bondage. You have been delivered. The chains have been broken. But you have to make a declaration according to the word of God through faith in it. Amen? Now, when I preach this in Calvert, the people, are re they rejoicing because they've never heard anything like this before in terms of God wanting to do them good. But if you study the New Testament, that's all it talks about. It talks about how God wants to bless them, how God wants to empower people to prosper in life how God wants you to experience the very best of him. But it only happens when you have understanding and knowledge of the new covenant or the new, the, the new testament. It is a document of dominion, and it is a document of dominion restored. But we have to look at it like that when we read it. Let's go to Psalms 126. Psalms 126. It says here, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, that word Zion, that means the church. Anytime you see that word Zion in the uh, Old Testament, it's talking about the New Testament church. It says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. The things that we talk about concerning the new creation and, and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the victory of the cross, to the natural mind, it sounds like a dream. It sounds like it couldn't be true. And I wouldn't believe it was true except it's written in the book. Jesus said that we can have the mind of Christ. I can, I can, I can think the thoughts of Jesus Christ on a moment-by-moment -moment basis if I will understand my union with him and the victory that that cross affords me. So it's, it's almost like it's too good to be true, but the Bible says it is. Look at verse 2. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord had done great things. And he has. And he has. What we have to do is we have to learn to meditate on the epistles. Learn to meditate on the New Testament. Allow the Holy Spirit to paint a picture of victory in us and the benefits of that cross. And then we must be bold enough to receive those things. Because when, I'm going to tell you something, what's going to happen. When, when you start meditating on this kind of truth, the Holy Spirit will start speaking to you and telling you how much God loves you. If he'll start speaking to you and telling you 
all the victory that's in that cross. He'll start giving you revelation concerning your ascension with Jesus Christ and your place in him. How many of y'all know that once you become a Christian, you're a new creation? Old things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. When Paul wrote that, he meant it. He meant that everything would become new. You now have, because you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you now have the spiritual apparatus to make communicate, to communicate with God on a moment-by-moment basis. But you and I have to believe that, that God has made us worthy to do that. A sin consciousness causes us to forfeit these things because we still are thinking like Adam. We still are thinking like the old man. What we have to do, and I've said this before, what we have to do, we, most Christians are still uh, comfortable in Adam, and they're uncomfortable in Christ. It's important that we become more comfortable in Christ than we are in Adam because you are a new creation, and you have now access to the, all, these, all these blessings. But again, a sin consciousness will cause us to forfeit these things. That's why we need to get an understanding of the power of the new covenant and the power of the blood of Jesus. That which sets us free. Amen. I put this in my notes and I won't say it. It says, you don't have to eat crumbs anymore. (laughs) Amen. God's best is your portion. A lot of times, man, I can say, we really don't experience what God wants us to experience simply because we don't think that we're worthy. But in ourselves, we're not worthy. But the covenant makes us worthy. Jesus makes us worthy. He causes us to inherit these things. And I'm telling you, when you start studying the New Testament the way that God wants you to, you'll find out that God's not holding anything back from you. The Bible says that, you know, how, how, would, how would God hold anything back from you when he's giving you his son? He's given heaven's best for you already. Why would he hold any of these carnal and natural things back from you when he's giving you heaven's best, which is Jesus? I mean, we have to think like God thinks. We have to gain God's perspective if we're going to experience the things that God has for us. We're going to have to come out of the flesh and flow in the spirit of God. On Friday nights, one of the things that we do here is we pray. And during that time of prayer, the Holy Spirit will start downloading in your spirit the victory of that cross. He'll start revealing to you the power of the resurrected Jesus and your place in him. How many of y'all know we've been raised up together with him? You have and I have been given resurrection life eternal life, the Zoe life of God, it dwells within each and every one of us right now. It's ours, has an inheritance. But we don't know it unless we know this new covenant, unless we, we come, become acquaint, acquainted with it, with it. Excuse me, I'm getting kind of dry. You know, a lot of times on Saturday mornings, me and Mike and some of the other guys, we'll get together. And we get to preaching to each other along these lines. And the Spirit of God will, will join us, and he'll start saying amen to the things that we talk about. 
he'll start revealing to us the power of this resurrected life and the power that's in this covenant. This is a miracle book for a miracle people. For people, but, but you have to believe that God would be that good to you. You have to believe that God wants you to rule and reign in the earth by way of this covenant. And it'll happen as you uh, apprehend the victory of the cross through revelation knowledge by, by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm trying to preach six weeks in one night. It's, it's going to be kind of difficult. But um, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, I want to go to verse 8. There you, there you go. Now, Paul wants to reveal, by way of the Holy Spirit, to the church at Ephesus, the victory of the cross. The church at Ephesus was a Holy Ghost-filled church, but they lacked understanding of what was theirs as a covenant right. And Paul's whole mission here is to reveal to them the victory of the cross, the power of the resurrected Jesus, and their union with him, or their access to that power. He says here in verse 8, Under me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given. So Paul was given a, a special grace to preach the gospel to these people, that I should preach among the Gentiles, Gentiles meaning those who were outside of covenant relationship, those who were not um, the natural Jew, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, that word unsearchable riches of Christ simply means this, that it's going to take revelation in order for these people to understand these things. This is the deep things of God. These are the things that, that, uh, that are mystery to the natural man, but are revealed to the children of God. Those who will seek God and seek, uh, seek, to, seek the Holy Spirit and his information concerning the redemptive work. Pastor Goodluck says this all the time. Precious things are never on the surface. They're always underground. You have to dig for them. Precious uh, minerals, gold, silver, oil, all those things, are, they're underneath the surface. That's, most Christians are comfortable with surface knowledge. But God wants to give us revelation knowledge, the unsearchable riches of Christ, those things that, that can only be revealed by the Holy Spirit. That's why it's imperative that you and I fall in love with this book. It's imperative that you and I uh, look, at the, look at the Word of God as our light, as our, as our sustenance, hallelujah, as the drink, as, as water, hallelujah. That's why Jesus said, I am the bread, hallelujah. You need to eat me. You need to drink me. You need to make me a, a priority, hallelujah, because I will take you to places that nobody else can take you by my spirit. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 9. He says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. How many of y'all know, this, ain't, this just isn't just for preachers. This is for anybody, the fellowship of the mystery. Anybody can receive these things. Anybody can walk in the fullness of God. All you have to do is be hungry. All you have to do is want God, hallelujah, more than you want your next breath. And God will feed, he'll feed you, he'll fill you 
with revelation knowledge concerning the victory of the cross and your union with Jesus Christ. He says, to make all men see was the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God. So all this, all this mystery, all this revelation had been hidden until Jesus came to the earth and until God revealed these things to Paul. Think about it. All the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all those prophets, Old Testament prophets, they didn't have this revelation that we got. We are, in this dispensation, man, we're blessed to have this information. And again, it's tragic that we don't take advantage of it. I say this a lot. We don't take advantage of our advantage. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God. So God hid these things, not from us, but for us. I'm going to say that again. He didn't hide them from us, but he hid them for us. Hallelujah. His New Testament church, his children, hallelujah. The mysteries of God. They're, they're not mysterious to you and I. At least they're not supposed to be. We're supposed to have understanding that the world don't have. We function under a different set of rules. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're kingdom kids, amen? The Bible says so. So it says here, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Next verse. To the intent that now, somebody say now. See, that's, that's the problem with the church. We want to put off for heaven what we can experience right now. There's some things that God wants you to experience by way of this covenant in your earth walk right now. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. The church has been anointed to demonstrate to the principalities and powers God's varied wisdom. We have the anointing on the inside of us, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God to, to reveal to the principalities and powers their fallen the, 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 the totality of their fall. God has anointed the church to minister grace, hallelujah, to the world and cause all the angelic hosts, good spirits, bad spirits, to see what God can do through a redeemed people. That's our calling, to demonstrate to the principalities and powers God's manifold wisdom. His manifold wisdom is found in that new covenant. And when we understand it, and when we thirst after it, then we'll start seeing the power of God released the way God wants it released. But we, again, we have to be bold enough to make these, these assertions. We have to be bold enough to stand up and say, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that's in me than who he was in the world. I am more than a conqueror. No matter what your condition is right now, you got to make a declaration that you're going to conquer that thing. Because you have within you the very power of God to do so. And a covenant right to do it. Hallelujah. Next verse. According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So all this is because of what God intended in the beginning. The eternal purpose. That eternal purpose which was established in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, 
Verse 26. The eternal purpose for mankind was to walk in dominion in the earth. People look at Jesus Christ and they saw his mighty works and they were mesmerized by his power. The reason Jesus was powerful is because he was a Genesis 1 and 26 man. He simply believed in God's eternal purpose for mankind and he simply carried it out through obedience and faith in the, in the word of God. He knew God's eternal purpose, and therefore he walked in dominion, which was God's purpose. So that is the mindset that the church must gain. That's why the Bible talks about you and I possessing the mind of Christ. We got to learn to think like Jesus thinks. We got to understand that, my God, we got to understand that we're one with him, hallelujah, and be bold enough, hallelujah, to assert it. Right in the face of contradictory circumstance. You may feel natural tonight, but I'm telling you, on the inside of you, there's something greater than the, than the, than the universe, hallelujah. Because God lives on the inside of you. And the powers of another world live on the inside of you. You and I have to, have to gain this, this understanding of that, and it'll give us a Holy Ghost boldness to do exploits, hallelujah, in which we were created to do by way of Jesus Christ. Next verse. Okay. Oh, there we go. In whom, in whom, whenever you see that word in whom in your New Testament, you need to underline that. Because that's talking about you. In Christ, in whom. We have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So the Bible says, because of this new covenant, we have bold, we should, have, we should be bold because we have access to God by way of Jesus Christ. The same access that Jesus Christ enjoys at the right hand of the Father, you have that same access. Can you believe that? You, the Bible says you've been raised up together with him to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are in the mind of God, and how many of y'all know that's the only mind that counts? God's perspective is the only perspective that we need to go grab hold to. In the mind of God, God sees you enthroned at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. In whom? Hallelujah. We have boldness and access. Hallelujah. On a moment-by-moment -moment basis, if you can believe for it. God's not holding anything back. The blood of Jesus did it all. The cross is a finished work. Hallelujah. Verse 13. <laughs> Ephesians 3 and 13. Oh, fit, let's go to 15. My bad. There we go. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Next verse. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. Now, Paul is praying right there. He's praying that the people at, at the church would experience these things. All of this is spiritual revelation that Paul wants the church to experience. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit 
in the inner man. That's a faith thing. You have to believe that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you on a moment-by-moment basis. Next verse. That Christ will dwell in your hearts by faith. That the anointed one and his anointing will dwell in your heart by faith. That, that, that you would, by faith, believe that the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God indwells you right now. It's yours by way of the new covenant. That Christ will dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. So love is the foundation. That's how these things are, be, are made manifest to us. By us recognizing First, the love of God, that God would love you so much that he would give his only begotten son for you. And because of that, he would open up to you the very riches of heaven. So all of these things are by way of the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. That Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Next verse. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you might be what? Filled with the fullness of God. Do you see that? God wants you to have a revelation and understanding that you are filled with his very fullness. Now, again, that takes meditation. That takes spending time with the Holy Spirit so that he can reveal to you God's love and power within you. Um... That takes believing that when you open the book that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. And grasping the totality of the finished work. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants you to have a misunderstanding. He doesn't want the church to walk around empty-headed. He wants us to have this knowledge so that we can use it to have victory in our daily walk. And it's possible. It's possible to have to live a life akin to the life that Jesus lived when he walked the earth. It's possible. He has opened the door for us. But the only way, again, that we're going to experience it is if we believe it. That's why he said all things are possible to him who believes. Because he knew what he was going to do where the finished work was concerned. Next verse. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Verse 20. Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How? According to the power that worketh in us. So there is a power in us that will allow us to experience these things. But it's it's according to uh, how we are able to tap into that power. We tap into it by faith. We tap into it by, first of all, understanding that it's there or that he's there. And when we, when we tap into it, we can start receiving the benefits of the covenant, the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. Which is part of, that's your portion. The power of the resurrected Jesus is your portion. Now. Let's go to Galatians. Chapter 1, verse 15. 
Paul says, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. That word grace, I want to I talk about that for just a second. Y'all know this, but I, we need to understand it. It means unmerited favor. All of these things are ours by way of grace. You and I don't deserve it, but Jesus does. So Paul says God called him to reveal these things to the church by grace. He called me by his grace, next verse, to the, and for this purpose, to reveal his son in me. Man, we need to get that. To reveal the Jesus in me. Hallelujah. To reveal the resurrected Christ in me. Hallelujah. Paul said God did all of that so that, so that God could reveal the Jesus in me. This, this uh, union that we have with Christ Jesus that goes beyond our natural understanding. That's why the Holy Spirit has to paint this picture on the inside of us. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. And he says immediately I conferred with not flesh and blood. You know why he didn't confer with flesh and blood? Because flesh and blood would have tried to talk him out of it. Religious thinking people will say that these things are not possible. Religious thinking people will say that this is a fairy tale, that it's like a dream. But the Bible says, again, in Psalms that God ter has turned the captivity of Zion. And it's, it, it looks like a dream, but it's real. It's God's reality that we must gain. We must see our redemption through the eyes of God and not through the eyes of the flesh or through the eyes of men. We must allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And then when he speaks to us, do not back up and say, I'm unworthy. Because none of us are worthy. Jesus is. But we're in him, so we get it. We're joint heirs with him. When you read the Bible, read the Bible. You know what I mean? Allow the, God, the Bible to speak to you and not just be a religious book. That when we walk out of here on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, we acting like natural folks. Because you're not natural. Pastor Goodlove says, we're not ordinary. And we're not. But we have to recognize it, affirm it, talk like it. Don't walk out of here talking the curse. Walk out of here talking the blessing. Don't walk out of here talking weak. Walk out of here talking strength because you're in him. Hallelujah. The covenant of God through Jesus Christ has taken us to another level of living. If we'll receive it. Amen. Romans chapter 8. Verse 16. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. That's what we need to do. When he speaks to you, no matter what it sounds like, no matter how impossible it sounds, you need to receive it. It's the spirit, the spirit bear, itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We could, we could, we could meditate on that for a whole year, just children of God, the understanding that we are children of God. In our mind, we know it. But in our spirits, do we, really, do we really receive it? 
We are children of God, not beggars, not illegitimate. We're royalty. You and I are royalty by way of the blood of Jesus, by way of this new covenant. We have been lifted up out of the dirt and risen, hallelujah, with him. What we must do, what it's imperative that we do, is we recognize our life in him. We've been raised up together with him, and we have to see it that way. The Spirit bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. You have to see yourself as an heir. You have to see yourself as a person who had, who's wealthy. Hallelujah. Something has been left for you to experience. The New Testament is the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did y'all know that? That's what it is. It's the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are the benefactors of it. We have an inheritance in him that goes beyond our natural understanding. But it's the spirit that reveals these things to us. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs, what? With Christ. And I'll boldly say it. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to me. My God, we got to get that. Everything that belongs to Jesus Christ belongs to me. I'm not robbing from him when I make that assertion. I'm simply claiming my rights and glorifying God as I do so. If children then ask, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that you may also be glorified together. Now the suffering that you're going to experience is the rejection of men. You start walking around talking like this, you're going to be rejected by some folk. Because <laughs> they ain't going to want to get in agreement with this. They want to stay religious and bound. Like I say, most, most, a lot of Christians are more comfortable in Adam than they are in Christ. So therefore, when you make the, your assertion of who you are in Christ, and you start saying that you're a joint heir with him, a lot of folks are going to look at you crazy and be, and be ready to reject you. That's why I, I'm glad I belong to a Holy Ghost field church. They won't kick you out for believing things like that here. But in some churches, they will. You can't preach this in some churches because they'll, they'll say, they, they'll say you're, you're blaspheming God. Yeah, they will. But, I, but the Bible says that we're joint heirs with him, and I'll receive that. I, I, I got to walk around with that mindset. I got to understand that the blood of Jesus is the most powerful force in the universe, and it's made me worthy. Hallelujah. We're joint heirs with him, joint heirs with Christ. If so, be if, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I'm getting ready to close. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Like I say, it's difficult to preach six weeks in one night. But uh, verse 9, Colossians 2. For in him, again, it's in him. I got to see myself in Christ. I got I to view myself in union with him, again, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, no matter how I feel. How many of y'all know, if you're going to walk in this, you got to divorce yourself from your feelings. If you're going to walk in the Spirit, you're going to have to divorce yourself from your feelings, from a sin consciousness, from a carnal mind, and receive what God has for you. 
For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Next verse. And you are complete in him. Do you see that? I've been made complete by way of the cross. You are complete in him. There's nothing else that needs to be done. Hallelujah. The only thing that needs to be redeemed now is his body. You know, it's going to go to, if Jesus tarries, it's going to go on the ground, and your spirit going to go to heaven. But while you're in this earth suit, how many of y'all know that by, by way of the cross, you've been redeemed from sickness and disease? Your physical body has been redeemed in that respect. You have a covenant with God in, new, this new, in this New Testament to reject sickness and disease. Amen. The problem is, again, we're, we're so accustomed to flowing in the natural and listening to folk. We've been uh, indoctrinated with religion instead of the reality of this. Amen. The Bible says, by his stripes ye were healed. Hallelujah. So I've been made complete in him. That's how God sees it. And again, the way God sees it is what we must embrace. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Next verse. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Again, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So this intricate work of the Holy Spirit that's made you into a, a new creation causes you to have dominion even over your flesh and over all sin. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and it, it says that sin shall not have dominion over you. A lot of people look at that as a commandment, but it's not. It's a promise. Sin shall not have dominion over the new creation. Hallelujah. These are things that are ours by way of Jesus Christ, by way of the cross. The victory that Jesus walked when he walked the earth and his disassociation with sin, you can have that same type of, type of life because you've been given power over it. Sin is your slave, not the other way around. Amen. That's why when we prayed for Darren a while ago, we believed that the Spirit of God was going to reveal to him that he's a free man. He doesn't have to stay bound to drugs and alcohol and things like that. As the Spirit of God reveals to us our freedom, then we start declaring it, and then we start walking out of the prison. Hallelujah. That's your portion. Next verse. Buried with him in baptism. My God, you got to see that old man dead. You got to call him dead. You got to reckon him dead. Buried with him in baptism. See yourself going into the grave with Jesus. Hallelujah. That old man. See yourself redeemed. Hallelujah. Coming up out of that grave. Hallelujah. Buried with him in baptism. Also, also you are risen with him. Hallelujah. We have to understand that we've been raised up. A new creation through what? Faith in the operation of God. That's what we must do. We must put faith in the finished work of the cross, the operation of God, the things that God has done through his great wisdom and knowledge. How many of y'all know God knew what he was doing when he redeemed us? It was a complete work, and we have to put faith in that work, faith in the very operation of God, the things that God did 
for us through Jesus Christ. He who became sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We got to put faith in that. That has to be a reality to us. We have to grasp it, take hold to it, and no matter what anybody tries to tell us, we have to assert it on a moment-by-moment basis. Who raised him from the dead. Chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm closing there. If you then be risen with Christ, how many of y'all risen with Christ tonight? Seek those things that are above. How do you do that? How do you, how do you seek those things that are in the spiritual realm? You do it through, through revelation knowledge, through what the Holy Spirit speaks to you concerning your union with him. When the Holy Spirit tells you that he sees you in, seated with the enthroned Jesus, don't reject it. Receive it. Say, yes, Lord, I believe it. He says, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, what? Where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. God wants you to seek that place, that place of perfection, that place of holiness. The holy of holies is your portion. How how many of y'all know that? I'm going to say it again. The holy of holies is your portion. Hallelujah. You can go there anytime you want. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus has made it so. Stand to your feet. Father, we give you praise tonight.